It's show 62 of the Rim Pro Report. This week, Hugh Smith of Firelock Fireproof Modular Vaults. Plus, we're going to catch you up on the latest industry news. This show is sponsored by our good friends at O'Neill Software. Did you know that they have full-service customer support and technical support throughout the Americas, Europe, Middle East, Africa, and the Asia-Pacific region? You got to know that when you're choosing software and using software, support is really the critical consideration. And one of the things I know about O'Neill is they've got that solid support that will cover you no matter where you are in the world. And if you want to learn more, you can check them out yourself at O'NeillSoft.com. Well, I think it's time to get our motors running and uh, maybe get out on the highway. Well, here we go. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports. The one and only weekly broadcast for the rim support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information. Stories. Yes. Important product and service reviews. Yes. And a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators. Shred and destruction vendors. Media and electronic vaulters. Scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Ho, 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 we're back. I hope you are doing great. You know, fall is my favorite time of the year. October is nearing its end. Even here in San Diego, the trees have changed color and the pool is cold. Life continues to fly by changes continue to unfold in the world and oh by the way in case you had forgotten it's only 65 days till 2012 sorry to remind you of that hey today we're going to call hugh smith the president of firelock if you don't know hugh i expect you probably do but if you don't it's a good chance to get to meet him today hugh's been in the vault business a very long time you know, he's a he's one of the longtime, longtime members of the industry and has manufactured and installed firelock vaults in many of the leaders in our industry, in their facilities and outside as well. I mean, who's who of companies, banks, uh, Disney, you name it. Uh, Hughes put his firelock vault in those facilities. Hey, he's a tireless supporter of our industry and his clients. And I wanted the chance to chat with Hugh today about his perspective on things. He's a, uh, you know, he's got such an interesting view of the world in terms of what's happening because he's the one providing vaults to so many people. I thought it'd be worth chatting with him. But before we do that, let me catch you up on some of the latest industry news. I haven't heard any word this week about acquisitions, so nothing to report there. I did, however, notice that Cintas and Pivot Group, Pivot Group is a assessment, risk assessment company, are providing a new data privacy compliance webinar series uh, early in November 2nd and 16th. Now, you could let this little piece of information slip you by just as a news item, but I hope you hear it as a lesson. Even if your clients are blocks from your building or your business, 
Frankly, even if they're across the street, webinars are an incredibly effective way to reach them. Yes, you could walk across the street, but you know what? They might not be so willing to walk across the street to see you. So a webinar is a great way to get in front of people, and uh, Cintas and Pivot Group are doing one, which I can assure you will put prospects in front of them. Webinars are a great way to provide education, a.k.a. marketing, to your prospects. Hey, this one's interesting. RFID, as you know, is not new to this industry. And Recall have been likely the most vocal one about it in the industry in terms of their marketing of their ability to do it. Last week at Arma, they announced that their RFID service is now available for individual files and data tapes. Along with this announcement, they claimed no other document management company can offer this meticulous level of client care. Wow, bold claim, you might say. So what do you think? They also just released a video along with this, and you can check that video by clicking the link I sent in this week's show description on the RimProReport.com website. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, quite interesting. Finally, I think this is probably the biggest news of the week for the industry, specifically those in the records management uh, vault side of the equation, PRISM uh, members. It was an announcement that uh, came out earlier this week from Chris Pearson, who is currently the president of PRISM. Basically, the email stated that the current association structure will dramatically change at the end of June 2012. The current board has decided to seek to find services of a third-party association management company. It is noted in the email that we will still have an executive director and dedicated staff, but they will actually be employees of the association management company, not PRISM itself. This means the current office in Raleigh with staff will be closed and all current staff will no longer be employed by PRISM. So that's pretty big news, I would have to say. Lots to digest in that. Already starting to hear uh, responses, but I would love to hear your thoughts on this transition. I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Feel free to email me. Let me know. Fill in the form on the website. Just uh, give me a call, actually. Leave me a voicemail. Let me know what you think about this whole transition. I know many are just learning about it this week, so I am sure there will be lots of opinions. Frankly, I'd love to hear yours. Well, that's it for the news. I'm going to see if I can get Hugh Smith on the line. So while I do that, hang on a second. Well, we have Hugh Smith on the line. He really doesn't need much of an introduction, but he uh, he is firelock to me. And so, Hugh, are you on the line? Hey, Hugh, welcome to the Rim Pro Report. It's great to have you on the show. And uh, before we get into talking about whatever we're going to talk about, uh, give me a brief synopsis of the Firelock story. Well, my brother Terry and I started this business as an offshoot of my experience in selling bank security equipment. Terry's background of selling ceramic fiber products that insulate heat in an optimum manner. So in 19... 82, we started by using my client base in the banking industry. Yeah. And all of our original products were for high-value records in the banking industry, mortgage loans, consumer loans. And, um, so you, you sold 
this to banks? Yes. And banks, were you selling really loans. really a Firelock vault at that point, or was this the predecessor to the Firelock vault? No, it was the Firelock vault. Okay. Okay. So we started off calling ourselves Firelock Data Protection System. Okay. And what we found with that was that when people say data protection, they think you've got software or Barracuda. Right. You know, protect your uh, uh, infrastructure. So we just became Firelock, Fireproof Modular Vaults, uh, because that's really all we were selling was that, and then that evolved into selling uh, clean agent fire suppression systems because people wanted to have a turnkey solution so that if anything happened, there was one guy they could choke. <laughs> and apparently you were that guy. Yes. Okay. And then, I can say that in 27 years, Nobody's choked me. So, so okay. No so, so going back to the early years, you're selling banks. What are you? You're calling it Firelock, but what are you putting in? Are you putting currently what you put in today, or were you putting in a really rough early model of that? Very first client that we did, uh, it was a much more built on site product using the ceramic fiber. We realized that was going to make the product very expensive. Okay. So we evolved to something we could build in a factory. Right. It was more or less like a lockbox plant, male and a female, weld it, male and a female, weld it. And so we could arrive at a site and put it up very quickly. Most people are surprised when we start a product uh, project with them how quickly we complete what we're doing. So much of the work, when you go in and spec out a site, much of the work early on was done. You'd, you'd spec it out, you'd go back to the factory, you'd, you'd kind of create all the pieces and then come back and put it together. That's right. We, we will create the engineering drawings on a vault. Yeah. And every panel that comes from the factory matches exactly what's drawn on those prints. Okay. So it seems to me that uh, you're you're out there selling to banks and all these these sort of companies. When did you make the switch into working with people who did this for a business, uh, such as the rim industry, the the vault uh, vendors, those kind of guys? When did that part of the story happen? Well, that part of the business is still only a small part of the vault business we do. Okay, we do the biggest vaults. What happened is that we were doing these vaults for banks, and especially in the pharmaceutical industry, where they have really high-value records. Each box of records in the pharmaceutical industry is valued at approximately $50 million a box. So they were looking for people who could store records off-site for them, but they wanted the same technology. So if you go out and you look at uh, some of the people who have our vaults, um, it's because a customer who had our vault in their factory, their bank, their savings and loan, started looking for someone who could do a little better job of storing this yeah. than what you could get from the old moving in storage industry, which is what all this industry evolved from. Right, right. What was the early story of getting into the, the vendor side of the equation? Well, one of our large pharmaceutical companies begged us to go find somebody that could do this for really? them. They were unhappy because at that moment in time, kind of shows you how recent in time that vaults started going into the moving, from the moving and storage into this tr 
true record storage industry is that it was about the time that you had Iron Mountain starting to grow as a a, a player. Instead of just being an individual, they were buying up companies, they were buying up Pierce Leahy. And so about that time, we had uh, a pharmaceutical company that said to us that we are with a company, they've been bought, we moved to somebody else, it was bought, we don't want that to happen again, and so they wanted somebody who would have our vault. And so we introduced them to the company that had our vault that we thought was going to be in the business for the long term, and they still are out there. Cool. And so we realized that, hey, this was a market we needed to be in, and we started coming to the trade shows. The rest is history. From there. The rest is history. So despite what we've heard, and despite rumors to the contrary, vaults still seem to be selling. You still show up at conferences. Seems like you're busier than ever. What What's going on out there? Are things really continuing to, uh, to hum out there? Is there room for expansion in the vault business? Well, I think there will always be individuals and companies that see that what they do requires a higher level of protection. The key is to target those who cannot sustain a loss, pharmaceutical, the uh, banking industry, uh, now you have medical, and with uh, some of these new laws, whole new industries that were not really into our industry now are. Yeah. The retail is all of a sudden, because of the personal, personally identifiable information, they now need to store data off-site. They right. need a whole other level of protecting this. And before they saw what they were doing as just inventory, but the fact that now people are paying for everything with credit cards means that they ha- they need to protect all their records. So what we find is if we can make our clients succeed, whether it's in prison by expanding their client base or by helping a bank pass an auto- audit, then everyone is a winner. And yeah. Certainly, you know, we have this SAS 70, and now that's evolved into something else. You have the complete interest now in NAID and certifications. All these different things are reactions to the laws, and the laws keep making it uh, more and more a punishable effect to lose records. So that's where our vaults play that role. Right. And you hear people saying that, Tapes going away, uh, EMC's tape sucks, uh, marketing campaign. But the reality is, is that tape's going to be with us because it is so much more accurate than being totally online all the time. It can't be hacked. It's three times more uh, cost effective than keeping everything online all the time. So tape's going to be with us. And if you look at the people who make tape, they're printing more tape or manufacturing more tape now than they've ever done. Right. They're not turning off those those uh, manufacturing machines yet. No, that's right. Which, which then implies that the vault business is still a good one to go in if you know what you're doing. Right. I would say that uh, the industry is one that requires you to be more of an innovator across several platforms. Right. We've, we've watched people that uh, embrace new technologies, and they've gone from moving in storage to record storage. Then they went to media vaulting, then to shredding. Shredding, I mean, if you think about it, uh, you know, a few years ago, email didn't exist in 
we were faxing things. Yeah. You know, we were storing boxes, and when we got done with them, they went in a dumpster. Now that they're all shredded. And so the key, I think, for the people in our industry in, in PRISM is to embrace this change. Uh, now we see scanning and scan on demand as new products that have been adopted by our industry that used to be provided by other companies that just did scanning. Right. Now we see e-vaulting in the cloud and even functioning as a disaster recovery site for our customers. So we're just constantly expanding the products we're delivering to our customer base. And what's exciting about it is for a while, with all the acquisitions, it seemed like everyone was trying to become Walmart and offer everything and offer it as price as the main driver. Right. But now I see this industry as more of the Home Depot where we sell our product and we help them implement the product. We train them how to use our software. We educate them about new technology. Our goal should be to look for clients and say, how can I help my client be more profitable, more efficient, more competitive? And if we're doing all that, then price is not the driver and will always be there because of our efficacy in the situation. All right. You're actively involved in the industry, like you said, from a number of different perspectives. You are putting vaults in in banks and in those kind of situations, and you say that's a bigger part of your business than even working within the industry itself. Uh, but obviously you're involved in putting vaults in, in, in a lot of, of companies in the rim industry space in their buildings. What are some of the things you're seeing evolve within the industry specifically as it relates to the vault side of the business or the data side? What are, what are some of the, the evolutions or changes you've seen over the years, particularly in the last couple of years that you think are really important? I think the uh, evolution where the offsite storage center is now uh, a part of the disaster recovery model. Okay. Yeah. With e-vaulting, that if they have some sort of a small-term disaster, that that information can be given back to them immediately without even starting a truck. I think that uh, I, I sold a vault once that was going to be filled with tape, supposedly, and before it even became complete, they had some people come to them that wanted to put servers in it. And so that became a server farm for the market they were in. Hmm. They just happened to be in the right market to where they had a lot of people that they were remote enough that they couldn't take those servers to New York City or Raleigh-Durham. And so it was very cost-efficient for them to have this company do that. And so many times we're finding that the customer's driving us, and I think that the this industry should look to be more of the driver to go out and educate our customers about some of the services we can offer. So what what other, I mean, like I said, you've put in a lot of different vaults. What other things are people putting in your vaults these days with your clients other than the traditional tape uh, data backup stuff and uh, obviously you've just said computers, servers. Uh, are people doing other interesting stuff with vaults these days? industry that uh, is sort of evolving at this point. There's a great interest in wines, high-value wines. So 
some of the companies are out there starting to store wines. Even within their vaults that are also, or these are separate vaults just set up for wine? Yes, yes, because yeah, you need a different sort yeah. of environmental control, right. humidity, and uh, like you look at Burns Steakhouse in Tampa, Florida, it has the largest uh, wine cellar in the world, they say, and they have bottles of wine in there that date back to the Civil War and are worth $30,000 a bottle. And so think about that kind of value, then it makes sense to store that in a vaulted environment. We have a collector that has $90 million worth of Stradivarius violins and cellos. I recently was talking to a gentleman that uh, has his own copy of the Declaration of Independence. And towns around the country, we do a lot of town hall vaults, you know, so the deed books, the birth and death records are are in those uh, in the, vaults that are for genealogy. Right, so they're in the vault as opposed to being in a uh, storage building somewhere. That's right, but yeah. what's happening is that uh, oftentimes what these people lack is they lack real estate. So right. they would rather have that vault B in the offsite storage center. And a lot of times when we have a customer that is looking for a vault and real estate starts to become the problem, we tell them that they should try to do a joint venture with a particular company. We, we had a brokerage firm uh, that they wanted to store certain things offsite. Yeah. Uh, they were going to build their own vault, a fairly large vault. Um, and so we put them together with the storage company and um, they put that vault in and they actually have their people working inside that vault in the offsite storage company. And this is a New York firm. So, uh, for them they wow. from real estate that they were paying $60 a square foot to being inside a vault for a third of the cost of being, up there on Madison Avenue, but so, the but the the vendor then has a vault built for them. The vendor still owns the vault and the the space and that, and they're just sending their staff into the vendor's facility to manage their own stuff. So what was interesting is that the uh, client in that case paid for the vault, wow. and they over time, outside storage company sort of gain control of the vault over time simply because of the was sort of part of the rent they were paying to be in their facility. Wow, that's and very cool. There's a lot of unusual circumstances that uh, you think of different collections. And that's one of the things that I think in our industry we overlook is people fail to go out and look at collectors. We have a gentleman that all he collects is presidential assassination memorabilia. We have several of the famous bands that uh, you know they have our vaults to protect their collection. Right. We have World Wrestling Entertainment stores uh, their videos in our vault. Wow. So if you think of things of value, and a lot of times the people in this industry, because it started off with this mentality of it's a dollar a box, things aren't worth anything. Get yourself caught up in that. You don't think about going after the high value client. And yes, you do have to carry 
more insurance, but you bring those clients into you uh, because they're looking for the expertise that the outside storage center delivers to them. Because one of the things that's important with these collections is to keep track of things. Right. And off-site storage companies are very good at keeping, keeping track, track of every piece of paper, every box, every tape. Yeah. So to a collector, that's a very attractive thing. To oh, be. yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, even in my own history in our record center, we, we used to uh, keep all of the um, marketing assets of a large uh, brewery in Canada. Um, and every every first bottle that came off the bottling line, every every single item that came out of their marketing department that was published, we got the first copy of it and kept as archival uh, storage for them. Which, yeah, so the, the whole collector concept makes a lot of sense. Um, in the bar industry, the offsite storage industry would be more proactive in going after that. Uh, for example, there was the director of the Grateful Dead, and he, when he managed the band, the Doors was the other band he was managing. He realized that these things over time were going to be valuable. Yeah. So he made up a postcard-type ticket, and he gave that to people to get in the door, but they had to surrender the ticket. He saved every ticket to every concert. And now you can go back and you can buy those back from them. You can buy the posters from those concerts. Yeah. He has various artifacts from the bands. And so I don't know what it's worth, but uh, it's extremely valuable because just multiplying the thousands of tickets that he's selling back to people at $10 a ticket, it becomes a big number. He's charging as much for the ticket to the concert that they already attended as they paid to get in the first concert. Yeah, yeah. So it's just being innovative with what you're doing. You see it with uh, Major League Football, Major League Baseball, Major League Basketball, you know, Cooperstown. I mean, anywhere there's an interest in this country, there's a storage application there. Well, and that's such a good way to think items. about it. Yeah, that's such a good way to think about it, Hugh, because I, I think at the end of the day, uh, it's very easy for us to say, well, we've got an em- empty vault sitting here. And the reality is there is hundreds of opportunities out there uh, that people are looking for a situation that we already have We already have the tools and resources to deal with. Uh, we're just not selling it to them. Well, the other one is art vaults. Yeah. Uh, that, that people get artwork, and we sell a lot of vaults in homes. We start realizing that the fires in California that people had to run for their lives and the last thing they wanted to do was be trying to run down the hill carrying their paintings with them right they what the uh, criminal element realized is that a good time to rob these people was when they were running from wildfires because they had everything valuable with them in the car right so we built vaults in these homes that uh, monets and chagalls and various high-end paintings uh, our store there, uh, we did one vault that had one of the largest collections of paintings of early Im- American Impressionist art. Uh, and every year, it just becomes more and more valuable uh, in the marketplace. Yeah. That's the unique thing of, of some of these items, is that sometimes someone has to walk in and point to it and say, uh, 
that what you have here is extremely valuable. Phelps Dodge, the mining company, we have several vaults there, and they have a minerals collection there hmm. that is every kind of mineral that comes out of America from the earliest days, the Old West, from gold and silver to huge quartz crystals and Individual pieces of mineral uh, are worth tens of thousands of dollars, and every year they become more and more valuable. Wow. So a lot of times it's the point of finding that person in the organization who knows what they have of value and talk about how you can help them. Because at any given time, uh, think of even a museum. Yeah. A museum only puts on display a tenth of their collection. Right. The They've rest got a of that store collection that is somewhere in a back warehouse. And a lot of those things are in that collection. Shouldn't be in a warehouse. They should be in a vault. In a vault. Wow. So time keeps slipping by. And, Hugh, I, I, I know that we could converse for hours. But um, based on your unique perspective of the industry and having been in so many different situations and so many different ways and in it for such a long time, what do you know that you wish all everybody listening to this show would know. What, what do you know that you think they should be aware of? I would say that the biggest thing is that they need to not approach this industry from a straight price platform. Hmm. Yeah. That they need to introduce quality to it. And the problem for most of these people is that that takes marketing. And they need someone to help them grasp the intricacies of using the web and capturing the interested parties right when they want something. Right. And if you go out and you do searches on websites, some get it and some don't. Yeah. For example, if you go in and you search FireLock, what's interesting is several of the all-site storage companies come up ahead of us <laughs> and... The guys who do our marketing say, should we move you ahead of them? Because you can, through pay-per-click or doing certain things, you can move ahead of them. We don't do that because we see ourselves in a partnership with them. Yeah. They need to be in a partnership with someone that can help them do their marketing in a, in a better way. I mean, the fact that you can go into a small market, let's call it Canton, Ohio. Right. And there's nobody in Canton, Ohio, who's doing any radio advertising about off-site storage, about media storage, that if you are searching in that market, you're not going to find what you want to find in terms of media storage unless you get up to Cleveland with the Shervald up there that markets. They're going to find the big competitors, but they're not going to find the independents as if they don't exist. Right. So this may sound like a plug for you, but they need to invest in someone like yourself. Well, th thank you for the help. plug, Hugh. Huh? <laughs> thank you for the plug. But they need someone to help them look at their marketing program yeah. and direct it in such a way that they can be more effective. Yeah. And there is no better industry than this industry. No, this, this is a sensation. This is a sensation. They come right back one. into it. Yep. So that's how great an industry it is. Yeah. And the but they're 
not maximizing the benefit uh, by doing the right kind of marketing to bring more people to them. Yeah. Well, no, and that's, that's, I guess, one of the things we continue to hear on the show every week is there's so many, you know, we love this industry. This is a great industry to be involved in. Uh, it produces a wonderful cash flow to owners. Uh, and, and yet so many times there's this sense of being stuck. And I, I know in, uh, you know, in ongoing conversations in the industry and the ones that you and I have had uh, offline, sometimes the, the, the sense of how important marketing effectively and efficiently is to get a result. Uh, it's, to me, it's the catalyst of, of growth, really. We're not in the media vault business or the, the data protection business. We're actually in the business of marketing those services because that's where you get the growth. And the other thing is that if you ask them what they do, they really do not have a clear image of what they do. And if you answer that question that I store things for people for money, that's not the right answer. Yeah. And you're yeah. protecting a business, and you're protecting um, their families. Yeah. And if you look at, we had earthquakes up here in the Northeast, and flooding, and power outages, and yeah. during all that, I mean, Verizon had major problems, lots of people had problems, uh, but you know what? You didn't read any stories about the offsite storage industry having any problems. You know, they, they showed up. They had generators that ran their systems. Yeah. Their software worked. Their computers worked. They found what needed to be delivered. They, you know, their cell networks, they were able to communicate with customers. So th they were flawless, and, and they don't market that. They don't create an identity for themselves that really matches what they do. And that's something that takes them to be uh, a little far thinking to say, who do I want to be? Yeah. And then to go market that image to the industry. Yeah. Wow. Well, like I said, we could probably talk for, for ages, and uh, we've pretty much completed our time. But it, it's really good to uh, hear your perspective on things. And uh, I, I think just based on this conversation, if there's not at least 10 ideas that people can take from our conversation, uh, they should listen again, I think. <laughs> Hey, it's been a pleasure, Hugh, having you on. It's been uh, it's it's been great, and uh, appreciate the time that you've spent with us today, telling us a little bit about the Firelock story, but also giving us so many cool ideas along the way. Well, thank you. I have a lot of friends in this industry. I really enjoy working with them. And I really respect what you do in this industry. Well, I appreciate keep it. Keep doing it. Thank you, and thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Was, uh, that was a good show. I am especially grateful for Hugh taking the time to be on the show with me today. Hugh really is a tireless and passionate advocate for his clients and for the industry. And he, he's got a real heart, uh, a real passion to help people um, succeed in what they're doing. And it was good to have him on the show today. I, I learned something from that conversation, and that's what I always hope to do. I hope that you did as well. Hey, thanks for being here today. I appreciate the time you spend with us when you can. I want to remind you that uh, you can use iTunes or the like to download this show every week to your iDevice 
automatically. It's as simple as subscribing, and every time you log in with the new iOS 5, you can actually auto-update, and it's uh, kind of cool. So if you're not using that, then uh, feel free to look at that as an option. I want to say as we finish the show that I am grateful for the sponsorship by our good friends at O'Neill Software. Their award-winning AT&T certified RS mobile software connects field service staff to the back-end RS SQL database, allowing them to do more of their tasks without having to return to their desks or workstation. You know, O'Neill's got some really cool stuff that can be helpful to you. And if you're interested, you can learn more at O'NeillSoft.com. Well, that's it for now. We are out of here. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next one. See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com, where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.